your Locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 532 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Just want to thank you guys for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. That song you are hearing right now is, of course, Leave the Lights On from our good friends in Pacifier. You can check those guys out anywhere you get your music. And today, very special treat for you guys making his return to Locked On New York Rangers, friend of the show and New York Ranger beat writer. He covers the team for lowhud.com. USA Today, Mr. Vince Mercogliano. He's going to be joining us in just a second, and we talked for quite a while, so this is actually going to be part one of a two-parter, but in today's episode, we're going to be discussing uh, Ryan Strom and more specifically his ongoing contract negotiations with the Rangers, what it might take to bring him back, keep him in the fold next season if the Rangers are looking to go down that road, and what other factors might play a role in determining whether Ryan Strom will be a New York Ranger next season. We also talk a little bit about Philip Heedle. You know, do the Rangers still see him as a big part of the future of this team or is he somebody that could be dangled as part of a trade you know maybe looking to bring in a rental of some kind and of course Vince recently wrote an article about this very topic but we're gonna be talking about the ongoing saga that is the uh, Rangers relationship with Vitaly Krasov. Krasov of course right now is playing in the KHL but we get into if and when he might return to the team and what it might entail and what the general feel in the locker room could be, uh, once again, if and when Vitaly Krasov makes his return to the New York Rangers. So, like I said, a lot to talk about, and this is going to be part one of a two-parter. Enjoy. All right, so let's go ahead. Welcome our very special guest for today. Joining me now is Ranger beat writer for Lohud.com as well as USA Today, Vince Mercogliano. Vince, how's everything going, man? It's been a while. Pretty good, John. Like we were just saying, trying to get a little bit of relaxing time and family time and all that in during this break, but I still find myself working quite a bit. But it's nice because I'm home, haven't really had to go anywhere in a week or so now. So it's a, it's a nice little break in the middle of the season. I think much needed, you know, not not even so much for me, but definitely for the players. It seemed like they were looking forward to this as well. So it, it's been cool, but we'll be getting back going, and I guess in a week from today now, so pretty soon. Yeah, for sure. I mean, as we both know, there's there's never a dull moment covering the New York Rangers. So, uh, you know, no. I, I I figure we'll just uh, we'll we'll jump into the the hockey stuff here. And you know, there's a couple of things I want to get to today, obviously. But something that I've really been wanting to ask you about is, uh, and I'm sure there's a lot of listeners that want to hear about this player as well. But that's Ryan Strom. You know, at the beginning of the season, uh, you know, you hear that there aren't really any uh, contract uh, extension talks happening, and then it sounds like it picked up again, and then it was quiet for a while. Do you have any idea where things stand between the Rangers and Ryan Strom and what their level of interest is in, in bringing him back, provided that it's at the right price? Yeah, well, you touched on it there. There is definitely a level of interest from the Rangers, provided it's at the right price. I, I reported on this, I want to say, about two months ago. I wrote a story uh, that basically I got from from multiple sources that the Rangers are indeed, dis- they've come to the internal decision, I guess is the best way to put it, that 
they would like to move forward with Ryan Strom for a variety of reasons. I think when you look at the potential price point and you look at the upcoming salary cap crunch that they're looking at, at when you look ahead, especially to next season and the next couple of years after this year, we know right now they have a lot of cap space, but beginning next year, that's going to shrivel up and they're going to have very limited cap space. So the way that they look at it is at their price point, what can they do to get themselves a legitimate second line center moving forward how do they find somebody who fits that need, but also fits the price point that they're looking for? And I, I think they've come to the internal conclusion that the Ryan Strom is about as good as they're going to get. They believe at that price range. So the real question moving forward now, because they have made it clear to his side that they would like to retain him and they are open to an extension in season. I, I think the clock is ticking and it's looking more likely by the day that maybe that wouldn't happen until the off season. But I know that they have had conversations and I, I think for them, the key is how much is Strom looking for? Because what I was told was if they can get him in that five to six million dollar per year range right now, he's making four and a half. So they know they're going to need to give him a raise. He's been highly productive from them. I think he's quieted a lot of the doubters. I think he's proven that he is a very capable top six center, even when he, you know, a lot of people talk about, okay, he's good because he plays with Artemi Panarin. But even when we've seen him play, Without Panarin, he's still been very good. Clearly one of the most productive forwards on the team, a key player for them. I think that they're willing to go to five and a half, maybe close to six million on him. But it's all about what does he want? Because I do believe that he would like to stay in New York. He loves it here. He's one of the most popular guys in the locker room. I can tell you that without a doubt. He's really a guy that I think a lot of teammates like having around. And I think that he really enjoys being here. But if he hits the open market, could he do better than $6 million a year? Probably. So it comes down to how much of a discount does he want to give the Rangers? Is he willing to take a little bit less to stay here? And if that's the case, I think the deal probably gets done. But if he says to the Rangers, look, I think I'm worth $6.5, 7000000 a year, the Rangers might have to say, listen, we, you know, we don't blame you, but we're going to have to take a pass because the, the numbers, at least, that I've put out there, if you look ahead to next season's salary cap, if you assume, and I've looked at about 17 players who I think you can safely assume will be on the roster. Now, that's including somebody like Morgan Barron, who you could swap out with another guy in the same price range and entry-level type of guy. But basically the way that I've looked at it, and this people from the Rangers have, have told me that this is a pretty fair way of looking at it, is you can look at 17 roster spots filled with about three, four, five, six at the most that they need to add. And they've got about $10.7 million in cap space. So if you devote five and a half, six million of that to one guy in Strom, you don't have that much left to pay Capo Caco, to find a backup goalie, to do the other little things you need to do to round out the roster. So I think the number they're comfortable with for Strom, like I said, is probably somewhere between five and six. But I don't think they can afford to pay anybody much above that. So that's really the question is, Will Strom meet them in the middle? Can they find some common ground? Or I don't think any would, anyone would begrudge Strom, who's I think going to be 29 now, looking ahead if he wants to maximize his value and, and hit the open market and go for the highest dollar mark. Yeah, I think you made a great point, and it's something that I've talked about in the past. You know, this myth that, well, Ryan Strom, you know, his numbers only are where they are because he's on a line with Artemi Panarin. That obviously helps. I mean, I feel like you or me, Vince, could go out there with Panarin and we might get a couple of points. But uh, Not me. Not me. It, it, <laughs> yeah, it not wouldn't me be either, pretty. <laughs> let, let's be real here. But, uh, 
Yeah, no, I mean, he's put up some of his uh, his best streaks, you know, when Panarin's been out of the lineup. Panarin had to miss three weeks last year, and Strom was a point-per-game player and really kind of carried the team offensively. And I'm just kind of hoping that uh, from Strom's perspective, you know, he is a little bit of a late bloomer in this league. He was a very high draft pick, and it took him a while to kind of uh, reach his potential. I'm just kind of hoping that, you know, from a personal standpoint, he thinks like, you know what? I'm on a great team here. It's a young team. It's a fun team. It's an up-and-coming team. It's a team that could contend for a Stanley Cup. I'm playing with one of the best players in the world. I got to take a little bit of a hometown discount. I mean, and I know you're not, you know, you don't hang out with Ryan Strom every day, but you're around him. I mean, do you sense that he's the kind of guy that might come to some kind of a conclusion like that, you know, just kind of from a personal standpoint? Yes, I definitely think there's a chance. I can't speak for him. I don't know for sure if that's how he's thinking, but I definitely think there's a chance. And, you know, you mentioned Panarin. There's no doubt about it that Panarin loves playing with him. Those two are very close. So that relationship, I think, could play into it as well. I think I'm sure Panarin will do some lobbying to keep him around. But at the end of the day, I don't think anybody can blame these guys. They have a very short, small window to maximize their earning potential before they, you know, they retire and they're, they, they're done with the game and they're still relatively young men at that point. So if he can get an extra million dollars per year to go somewhere else, if you were him, what would you do? It's a tough, it's, it's a tough decision. It so is. I think the Rangers are hopeful that they can find some common ground. Again, I know that they have made it clear to his side at this point that they would like to do that, but I also think they've made it clear that they can only go so high. So that sort of puts the, the ball in Strom's court. Maybe he's still mulling the decision. Maybe he wants to take it to the offseason. Uh, again, I think they've had some extension talks, but whether or not it gets done in season, that's, that's looking maybe less likely by the day, although you know things could change at any moment. But I, I think this is really the situation they're going to find themselves in is can he, will he meet them in their price point or, or will he want more? And, and that's ultimately going to be his call. Just want to take a minute to let everyone know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Bilt Bar. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right. Thanks to Bilt Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a New Year's resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. Have you tried the puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best-tasting bars. Puffs are the first-ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy, they're not just a protein bar, they're a treat, and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. In fact, all Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate, 100% real chocolate. Low calorie, high protein, replace your candy bars with these. They are better. A typical candy bar can be anywhere between two and 300 calories. Go to built.com and scroll down to the macros chart. You'll be blown away. High protein, low calorie, high fiber, low carb. Most built bars contain 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. At built bar, they are all about the taste. They make it taste delicious first, then figure out how to make it healthy. And I don't know how, but they pull it off every single time. Go to built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, just want to thank everybody for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. Make sure to check out Olympic Hockey Daily, presented by Locked On NHL, a bonus podcast covering all the action in Beijing. You can find it on the Locked On NHL podcast feed. It is free and available wherever you get your podcasts. 
You know, another player that I wanted to ask you about, this is somebody who, uh, and, and for anybody listening, you know, we've had Vince on several times in the past, but Vince, I remember we had you on maybe about a year ago, and I remember at the time you mentioned that uh, the Rangers were really, really high on Philip Heedle. They, they felt like he had a tremendous potential, a really high ceiling, and, you know, of course, he's in, you know, his fifth season with the Rangers now, and, you know, he's had his moments for sure. There's times where it looks like he's on the verge of a breakout, but uh, you know, the points just haven't been there this season. And every now and then now, you kind of hear his name come up in trade talks. Do you have any sense for, for what the Rangers think about Heedle as it currently stands? I mean, do they still think that he's a big part of their future? Or have they become a little bit more open to maybe even moving him for like a rental type player as they, you know, gear up for hopefully a playoff run? There's, there's a healthy dose of skepticism about his future for a couple of reasons. You touched on it. There have been flashes, but there definitely has not been enough consistency. His trademarks are speed and skill. And if he was putting all that together and if he was putting up significant points, I think he'd be in a pretty strong position. But he hasn't done that. I don't think they feel great about his his all-around play, his defensive play. There are questions about whether he can stick at center. You know, a lot of people point to the face-off percentage, and that's bad. So, so there's, no, there's no denying that. But I think overall, people wonder, is playing center putting a little too much on his plate? If you move him to the wing, does he utilize that speed and skill a little more? Does it simplify the game for him? I, I think there's a valid argument that that's probably the best place for him. They've given him an extended chance to stick at center, and there just hasn't been, in my opinion at least, enough to say, okay, he's solidified his place as a middle six center moving forward. I don't think he's done enough at this point for you to feel super comfortable saying that. So I do believe that the Rangers would entertain offers for him. I I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd say they're actively trying to get rid of him, but I do definitely think he could be a trade candidate. I, I think that they were willing to discuss him last summer as well, whether he's moved at the deadline this year or not, it's possible it might be more likely in the offseason, you know, once they reassess. I think at this this trade deadline, the Rangers would be very comfortable because of all the cap space they have right now if they are going to go the rental route to not get rid of any current salary and just use prospects and picks to acquire a player who could help them now. I don't know if they're necessarily, necessarily looking to subtract from their depth right now. Forward depth has probably been their biggest issue so far this season. So, he could be moved at the deadline. I wouldn't completely rule it out. I definitely think that they would be open to moving him in the right deal, maybe this off season. And I think the reasons for that are just, as you said, even though he's still young and, and his game could, could blossom at any point because we know that there's a lot of potential and a lot of talent there, but in five seasons, I don't think he's done enough for you to say, okay, this guy, we got to put a stamp on him. He's definitely a big part of the future. I, I, I don't see that as a feeling around the Rangers right now. Yeah, I've kind of gone back and forth on Filipino a little bit myself because you just touched on it right there, Vince. You know, the potential is there and it's very easy to forget. You know, five seasons with the Rangers, he's still just, I believe, 22 years old. Yeah. And, you know, you look at somebody like Mika Zibanejad, he's on the Rangers basically because the Senators gave up on him about one season too early. And look what Mika Zibanejad has become. Um, and I think that's a great point there too that it just seems like his game is a little bit more suited for the wing when you consider, again, he doesn't win face-offs. He's not the most physical player out there. There's less defensive responsibility. And right wing is where, you know, the Rangers seem to uh, need to address that area probably more so than any other position on the team, which actually leads me into another player that I wanted to talk to you about. And you actually recently wrote an article on him, and that's, of course, Vitaly Kravtsov. 
Um, and for anybody who missed it, uh, the deal with Kravtsov right now, he's in the KHL. They're going to dive right into their playoffs after the Olympic break here. And whenever his team is eliminated or ultimately wins the championship, that determines when the Rangers could recall him. Uh, Vince, do you get a sense that they would actually do that? Because, you know, obviously it, it's been a whole saga with Vitaly Krausov and, I don't know, maybe he's burned one too many bridges, or maybe the Rangers say, hey, let bygones be bygones, bring him back. Any sense for what could happen there uh, in this ongoing saga with Vitaly Kravtsov? There, there's a lot of layers to this. Yeah. The, the number one thing to put out there is that a trade is ultimately where this is heading. I would be very surprised if he ends up being a long-term part for the Rangers. I think what happened initially here was and there's fault on both sides that we've all talked about this and written about this so many times, but when him not making the roster out of training camp was a questionable decision on the Rangers part. I don't know exactly what their thinking was there. I believe that they should have anticipated that there was the at least potential for this type of reaction from him where he was going to be disappointed and, and potentially take his things and go home, which is what he did. So, but you could also, of course, put fault on the player as well. You know, I, I know that a lot of people have made the point that, you know, if, if you're assigned to the AHL, you should go take that assignment, use it as motivation, work hard and force your way back. So I think there's some validity to that as well. But the way that that whole thing played out initially, where the Rangers were being questioned for how they handled him, where he was being questioned for his own commitment, I, I think both sides kind of came to an agreement like, okay, neither of us are looking good right here. We need to calm things down. So I think we've seen a little damage control in the last few months. The Rangers, of course, agreed to loan him to Tractor, which is the KHL team that he has a long history with, and sort of let him play, let him hopefully continue to retain some value, continue to grow his game. And his side has been very quiet, whereas initially I think they were letting a lot of things out that were indicating that he wasn't happy, that he wanted to trade. That is very much quieted down now. So both sides are kind of playing nice, which I think is, is wise on both sides' parts. But realistically, could he come back and play for the Rangers? That's kind of the big question now. From the Rangers' perspective, I don't see that many reasons why you wouldn't, at least when his season is over in the KHL, recall him, invite him back, see what he does, put the ball in his court. I, I don't know if they would stick him right in the lineup. I kind of don't see it. I don't know if, given the way that he handled the prior situation, that they would want to reward him by just inserting him directly into the lineup. Now, injuries or COVID or whatever could happen. And if there's a need, then they could use him. But I think that if they if they brought him over here, they would want him to sort of work his way back little by little and, and earn his way into the lineup instead of just being gifted a spot. Although I'm sure many people would argue, you know, given some of the guys that they've used in their bottom six, they could use scoring punch maybe from a guy like him, but would he want to do that? And, and I think for him, it would be a risk to say no, because then you're risking further damaging your reputation. Now, the one thing that I think could cause the Rangers pause was I, I heard some whispers around the time. This is not anything that I, you know, I would say is, is rock solid, but I think that there's some legitimacy to wondering at least how would he be received by his teammates? Because I did hear some whispers that certain guys didn't like the fact that he handled that the way that he did, that he refused to go to Hartford. We've seen many guys get sent to Hartford. We've seen many guys and other teams get sent to the AHL. We've seen high picks do it, you know, countless times. You can look, uh, you, there's a lot of examples of it. But I, I think so, there, there were some questions as to how was that received in the locker room. And if you bring him back, would he be well received by his teammates? So obviously, Chris Drury would need to have the pulse of the locker room on that before inviting him back. 
but if they don't trade him at the deadline, and, and there's definitely a possibility he gets traded at the deadline, but I also, because of the fact that the Rangers have him under team control beyond this season, I've been told multiple times, there's no rush. It, we saw it similarly with the Leas Anderson situation with the Rangers. They did not like the initial trade offers that came in, especially once, you know, when, when things are fresh and the wounds are fresh and, and other teams kind of smell blood in the water, they're going to lowball you some offers. You're, you're maybe not going to get the value that you would hope to get for a player like that in a trade. So with Leas, the Rangers waited it out and they still did not get equal value for him. He was a top 10 pick. They ended up settling for a second round pick. But they used that pick to draft Will Cooley. There was a player they coveted in that spot, and they were ultimately happy with the way that it turned out. So I think they're not afraid to play the waiting game with Kratzoff. They, they'll hold them until the offseason. They could hold them beyond that if, if they really wanted to, if, if they feel like a team doesn't ultimately come up with an offer to their liking. So there's a lot of factors here. But the, the, the most immediate question is, once that KHL season is over, even though we know – both sides would probably prefer a divorce because of the fact that the Rangers aren't going to rush the trade. They might turn around and say, listen, Hey, you know, we'll, we'll recall you. You're welcome to come back. We're not going to make you any promises. You're not going to tell you, you're definitely going to have a lineup spot. You, you might be a healthy scratch. You might have to go to Hartford, but we'll welcome you back if you want to come back. And that would put the onus on him to make a decision there. And I would wonder, I'd be curious what he would do. Like I said, it's been a little quiet on all these fronts recently. And I think both sides are just trying to not make any waves and, and not create any PR headaches for themselves right now. And, and, you know, it still could be a while. Like I think the KHL playoffs start March 1st. And so, you know, if his team, his team actually has the, I think the highest or they're tied for the highest points total in the KHL right now. So they could go on a run. He might not be available till late April, but if they get knocked out early, he could be available sometime in March. So once that happens, the Rangers will have a decision to make, and then he will have a decision to make. It's crazy to me, and you touched on this just a second ago as well, but just the very simple fact that this all could have been avoided if either A, the Rangers just put him on the opening night roster, or B, he had accepted his assignment to Hartford. They would have called him back up in like two games, because I, I, I don't remember who it was, but I know somebody came out of the lineup, and you got to figure... Yes. He, he would have been the first person called back up, and you know we have, uh, again, this, this entire saga with, uh, with Kravtsov now. Just want to take a minute to let everyone know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by BetOnline.net. BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march through the playoffs right to the big game. BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just football. BetOnline has up-to-the-minute info on pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, along with live, real-time updates of current games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the new, amazing offers available for the 2022 season. Bet online, where the game starts. Two other players that uh, I wanted to kind of lump together here. I mean, they're kind of, uh, you know, joined at the hip, so to speak. But Lafreniere and Kako, obviously both, uh, you know, first first overall pick, second overall pick, and in back-to-back years, respectively. And, you know, they again, they've both had their moments, and they've both contributed to the team this year. And, you know, at times I've come on the podcast and kind of stuck up for them when, when fans have been, uh, you know, getting frustrated with them. But uh, do you have a sense with, um, you know, how the Rangers feel about both these guys? Do they feel good about their development? Or is there any, like, okay, come on, guys, it's time to pick it up a little bit? I mean, any, any uh, sense for, for where the Rangers stand there with those two? 
Well, they're definitely preaching patience. I'm, I'm sure, ideally, they would like a little more point production out of both of them. I, I, I think with Kako in particular, the feeling has been that his overall game, has he's made a lot of strides. I think that they like, they like his play for the most part. I think they would like to see more consistent point production, of course. that's That kind of goes without saying. Same thing with Lafreniere. I think Lafreniere hasn't had the well-rounded game quite to the level of Kako's so far this season. He's also a year younger. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a tough conversation because everybody wants these guys to pop right away. And I know it kind of gets old hearing you talk about patience and hearing you say, you know, not everybody's Connor McDavid and, and all these kind of things. I do believe that they have come around on this and Kako really has been in the top six all season. So he hasn't had a lack of opportunities, but Lafreniere, they've bounced him around. He's been on the third line quite a bit. What we saw going into the break was that they gave him, you know, a string a few, I think it was three games in a row where he got to play on the top line with Zabanajad and Kreider. I really do believe that the Rangers are going to come out of the break, keeping them as the top line, allowing him to get an extended run there. And I think it's important that they do that because you know, a lot of people point to time on ice and, and yes, his time on ice is definitely lower than if you look at any other number one overall pick in their second season, but it's not just about time on ice. It's about the situational usage. And when he's buried in the bottom six and not playing a lot in the third period of close games, you're not giving him a whole lot of development opportunities. And I think they need to sort of take the leash off a little bit, understand that there are going to be mistakes, but they're in a strong position as far as the standings go. The Eastern Conference is really not a whole lot. I mean, as far as positioning, there's going to be a lot of jockeying, but there's not a whole lot of intrigue about which are the eight teams that are going to get in. We pretty much know who the eight teams that are. The Rangers have really helped themselves with having such a strong second half. I think you can afford to say, okay, we're going to give you 10, 15 games in this spot. Understand that mistakes might be made, but understand also that it's time for us to put more on your plate. So I, I think Lafreniere, you're very likely to see him come out of this break on the top line. And then Kako, I think that gives him an opportunity to go back with Panarin and Strom on the second line, which if you remember going back around Thanksgiving, he had been playing on that line all season. They were red hot going into that game uh, right the day before Thanksgiving against the Islanders. And then they made the surprising decision to move Kako up to the top line. I think that that line has been okay. And I know, especially if you look at a lot of the underlying numbers and metrics, you know, their shot rates and all that are are actually pretty good. Their scoring chance rates are pretty good. But Kako individually had the most success when he was with Panarin and Strom. And I think it would behoove the Rangers to go back to that alignment. So I think that that crystallizes your top six. Now, ultimately, at the trade deadline, are the Rangers going to be looking for a forward who might be an upgrade in their top six? Absolutely. There's, There's no question about that. They are shopping for forwards right now. But... For the time being, I don't think that they can do anything better for the development of both of those guys than putting them in the top six coming out of this break. They're going to have four practices before this first game on the 15th against the Bruins. Let them get some practices under their belt with that line. Let them feel confident, like, hey, we're going to let you guys roll here for a while and see what happens because that might be the spark that they need. It, both guys have shown signs. I don't think it's, it's I, I obviously think it's way too early to give up on I, either guy, but they were drafted because they were such potent point producers, you know, Kako and Finland and Lafreniere in the Canadian Junior League. So at some point you want the points to pop and the best way for the points to pop is going to be letting them play with your high-end skill players in the top six. And I think that's the obvious move for the Rangers to make now. 
All right, once again, a big, big thanks to Vince Mercogliano for once again joining the Locked On New York Rangers podcast, your team every day. Huge thanks to you guys, as always, for tuning in to the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. And in our next episode, we're going to have part two with Vince Mercogliano talking a little bit about, you know, some trade deadline chatter. Uh, Vince is also going to share what it was like to be inside Madison Square Garden on Henrik Lundqvist night. And he's also going to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, some of the differences with the New York Rangers under Gerard Gallant as opposed to, you know, when they were coached by David Quinn. So we're getting to all that in part two, which will be tomorrow's episode. Definitely come back for that as well. But that will pretty much do it for today, guys. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time. Just want to thank everybody once again for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets.